I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric Edholm of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Today we welcome quarterback guru and founder and president of Quarterback Takeover, Quincy Avery, to the show. Quincy, how are you? I'm doing amazing, Doug. Doug, how you doing? I'm doing real well. Thank you for cutting out some time for us today. Quincy, you've worked with the likes of Deshaun Watson, Justin Fields, and our very own Dwayne Haskins, which, of course, is what I asked you on for today. But first, in doing my homework, uh, your first client was Joshua Dobbs. Is that right? That is correct. My my very first client, Joshua Dobbs, who's now with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Did you realize at the time you were working with an aerospace engineer? I realized at the time that the young man that I was working with was very, very ahead of his time, super smart, um, and had a, a greater depth than most guys at his age did. My brother is a UT grad, and I am a lifelong Georgia fan, so we both will remember Joshua Dobbs forever for different reasons. <laughs> you got the Hail Mary. Did they beat you the year before, too, at, at Tennessee? That's the year he, like, they, had to make the tackle, like the one after the fumble? They did, it, and that game comes on my birthday every year, so uh, <laughs> you, can, uh, you can take what you will from that. Uh, the Les Carpenter piece came out today, by the way. It, it was fantastic. Yeah, I really appreciate Les uh, taking some time out to do, do it for doing that. Uh, when I was reading up on you, I got this quote, and, and I quote, the success of the black quarterbacks in the league is changing the perception of young black quarterbacks and what they think they are capable of. Uh, that's pretty powerful stuff, particularly in the climate we find ourselves in now. It, 10 black quarterbacks will start on Sunday. Yeah, I think that's, that's it, the number. That's wild, right? Uh, it shouldn't be, but it is. <laughs> Quincy, I'm curious, what do all great quarterbacks have in common? I think uh, the one trait that uh, is true across quarterbacks that are great is your ability to handle adversity. So I know people talk a lot about like throwing the ball and things like that, but there's a lot of guys who can really throw football who can't play the quarterback position because they can't handle when they throw that interception or when a bad play happens because it's bound to happen each and every game. But your ability to bounce back from that really separates you um, from everybody else. Can you teach anticipation and accuracy? You can teach accuracy. I think that there's a bit of the game where you, you have to see it and process information really well and understand what you're anticipating. So I think anybody can learn to anticipate, but the the more important thing is understanding what you're looking for, what binds you, binds you're anticipating before the play, and then seeing that and being able to quickly process that information. I'd like to get to Haskins, but before we do that, Coach, I thought maybe we could run quickly through the three quarterbacks in the division. Mm -hmm. uh, 
is it fair to say that Dak is currently the most complete quarterback in the division? Yeah, I think that right now, as we stand, Dak Prescott is is playing at the highest level in the NFC East. What allowed him to hit the ground running so fast? When he got to the Cowboys, they were in a really good situation, right? They had a great defense and an offensive line, so that allowed him to really quickly establish a high level of confidence. Um, and, and when you get to play with confidence, you have a running back like that, it really allows you to free yourself up. And then he's continued to develop, and um, he's gotten better each and every year, but he's had the time to grow and develop in that in that system um, to, to let him become who, he's, who he is. What did the league get wrong about him? He didn't go to. Was he a third-round pick? I think he's a fourth-round pick, but the thing that I, – I think that he was viewed – differently if, if he was if he came out of the draft this year he'd probably be a first or second rounder late first early second but people didn't see guys and their ability to use their legs in that way being such an asset in the NFL at that time and the shape and the way that the shaping of the quarterback positions changed the way we frame it the things that we find are really really valuable those things are different now than they were um, four or five years ago so the game's changing and I, and I, I really do understand why they got that pick wrong in terms of Dak Prescott and where he fell in the draft. Uh, Wentz has had trouble staying healthy, uh, but to the untrained eye, it seems like he's regressed. Is that what you've seen? To the untrained eye and the trained eye, he's definitely regressed. And it, it's interesting to see. I feel like he has more weapons this year with the Eagles. They've got a little bit more speed out there. They have some guys who can do some things. And I actually sat down and watched a good bit of Carson Wentz tape. Uh, I think it was two or three days ago. And the things that I saw was it, it the week one and two, he really struggled in terms of just his, his fundamentals and his footwork. And then he cleaned that up in week three. But then his ability to work through reads and really process information, it was a bit off. So that that was the thing that's concerning me. It's all right if you're doing one thing wrong. I think that you can fix that and you can develop on that and uh, you can change it pretty quickly. But when you're doing a multitude of things wrong, I think that's what gets you in a really bad spot because you don't know what to fix next. And it becomes a harder situation to become a successful quarterback. Uh, now, I know that you have a personal connection to Haskins, but were you surprised that the Giants went with Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins and what did you see on tape that you thought might have been the reason they went with Jones? Yeah, so that was that was difficult for me to really understand that pick in the selection at that time. And not that I don't think – I think Daniel Jones has done an amazing job um, his, his first year to get, to get started in the NFL. I'm not sure if he's been able to maintain that level of play. But the thing that – um, really got him in a good space was was that David Cutcliffe relationship. They saw him as someone who looked and reminded them of Eli Manning, and I think that that had a lot to do with them making that decision. And the GM at the time for the Giants really wanted someone who was was a far cry from Cam Newton. And I, I don't I don't think Dwayne is like Cam Newton in any real way, but. There was something about Dwayne that reminded him of Cam, and I think that that quickly led him in a different direction. Okay. Uh, now to Haskins. I do. I have a couple of specific questions I'd like to ask you, but first, it's only been three games now. 
inconsistency seems like Dwayne's biggest problem to me. What have you seen? Uh, week one, I saw a slow start, and I, I was tremendously encouraged by his ability to respond to adversity. Um, the second half of week two, I was also like, okay, I think we're building on some things. And then actually to start off week three, I was I was very, very encouraged. I thought he started he started that game, and I was like, this is going to be the best game that Dwayne plays as an NFL quarterback. Like, I really thought that at the beginning of the game. And then then quickly I saw, like, him just trying to do too much, um, trying to make a few plays that, that might not have been there. And, and I think that that's hard, especially when you start out and you're doing really well and you feel like you've got to do a little bit more to lead your team to victory. And I think that it comes with the level of maturity and the number of staff snaps you get in the NFL that you you quickly understand that I, I don't have to do it all in one play. I can create a process that's going to allow me to be successful throughout the game. And I think that's all that happened. And it's interesting because you see flashes of Dwayne's talent and then you see the three interceptions. And I understand how that could concern some people. Like, man, that's three interceptions. That's that's tough for us to b- bounce back from. I, I don't think that's something that Dwayne's going to continue to do. I think that he uh, – I think that a game like that is going to be valuable for his career. I, I was going to ask you that next. First of all, that, that first half against the Browns, he was excellent. Mm-hmm. And I think as fans, we thought, you know, all right, we're getting ready to boat race them. <laughs> what can a quarterback learn after a three interception performance, four interceptions, if that's ended up what it being? But what, what do you glean from that when you're trying to explain to a quarterback from a coaching perspective? I think that there's so much that they can take away from that game and just, just showing them uh, on some of the interceptions of things that, that were available. Like just if if we get to the check down, when we go that vertical content, right. That could turn into a bit, like there was things there and it was really other than the, the big glaring three interceptions. He did a lot of things well that they did an excellent job capitalizing on each and every one of his mistakes, but he, him just learning like we're we're going to create a situation where you don't have to do everything and we're going to make you uh, a really good NFL quarterback. I think that he can be excited as much as he can learn from that game. He can be excited and know that the plays are there and he's got the guys around him to be successful. And he's got one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yes, he does. And, uh, and you can't teach that arm strength. It, it, the, the arm talent that he has, and, and I, I, I mean, other than like Patrick Mahomes, I think Dwayne has um, as gifted as an arm as anybody in the NFL. And I just say Patrick Mahomes because he can sling at 85 yards. <laughs> sure, sure. Uh, speaking of Mahomes, you can't teach pocket mobility or can you? How do you work? Well, we can't. Te- you can teach pocket mobility. You can't teach speed. But how do you work on the pocket mobility for guys that don't have – you know, Lamar Jackson speed. Yeah, so that's just your ability to – so there's there's a couple things. The ability to maneuver in the pocket and stay in a base and balance, the things that I think Tom Brady did such an amazing job of his whole career, you can teach that and you can refine that, and I think he's the best at that. There's things that you see Mahomes, Deshaun, Aaron Rodgers do where they not only make the first guy miss, but then they escape and really do some of those things. You can teach the guys the ability to throw in the run from awkward positions, but it's the ability of these guys to be so maneuver, flexible, and have played so many different sports coming up that I think allows them the athletic freedom to make 
these amazing plays that we see on Sundays. And I, I think like somebody we don't think about, like Sam Darnold probably had the most amazing throw of this this football season thus far when he was escaping left and snapped this. Like you can't teach somebody how to escape the pocket flat to their left, orientate their shoulders down the field to make that throw to a guy who's running in from his left to his right as he's running right to left. Like those things you can't teach. You have that or you don't. But the ability to maneuver maneuver in the pocket, you can teach some of those skills. Um, to me, again, I'm no professional, but when he's off, it's because his base isn't working in concert with his upper body. Have you noticed that? And, you know, how do you get a guy to remember in real time to do that? Is, is that just mental reps? So – one of the things about being that gifted is you can get away with doing a lot of things that aren't necessarily correct. I mean, you can do it really, really often and it doesn't hurt you uh, nine times out of 10. But when the 10th time comes up and your eyes do not match with your feet and they don't get in the direction that your, your feet are going when it's time to make the throw, then that can cause a problem from time to time. So that's really refining those things in practice, really being diligent about each and every day doing those things the correct way. Um, you can't spend any time where you, you allow yourself to um, revert back on your talent. And then I think when when he's able to do that, I think that um, he's really going to become special. How do you coach a guy not to aim or place a ball instead of just throwing it? Uh, that's, that's difficult. Um, that's just – you're messaging to them and the, the confidence that you instill in them throughout the confidence that you instill in them throughout, throughout the week in practice and throughout the game, when you're confident enough, they put you in a position where you don't think about aiming. If the offensive coordinator were to ask you what it takes to get Dwayne in a rhythm early and keep him there, what, what would you suggest? What, what does Dwayne need to get him going you know I, I think scott turner did an amazing job last week I, I really if you do just that what he did last week to get him going um but then it's just your ability to communicate with on the sideline let them know that things are going fine they they aren't up i forget what the score was when he threw that first interception but just making sure that that he knows that he doesn't have to do too much like all, all he has to do is just do just find completions and get us in the right spot go through his fundamentals and i think that it's just that messaging, just him understanding that he doesn't have to do too much is going to put him in a good spot. When it's your job just to mentor these guys and they're in a new system like Dwayne is, how much time are you are we giving these guys to learn the language? There's no preseason. Scott Turner and the staff seem to be treating these games like quasi-preseason games. I, th I think Ron said that Maybe only half of the playbook is actually in. What are you telling the quarterback as far as, you know, just keep grinding? I would – I think that you just got to encourage him to dive in the playbook and understand things at the greatest level possible. I think one of the advantages he has is, although it's his first year in the playbook and a lot of guys – I mean, in, in essentially every guy in the offense first year in the playbook, he does have somebody like Kyle Allen who is around who can really help him dive in and become and understand it at a greater level and just find the nuances so that he can, he can make sure that he's ahead of where they're, what they, where they at currently and be on the same page and see things with the same set of eyes as Scott Turner and the offensive coaching staff sees it with. 
You brought up Kyle Allen, and that's a great point. They also have Alex Smith. How important is having a quarterback room like that? And how important is having a vet like Alex Smith in that room? Yeah, so I, I know Kyle Allen really well. I've known him since he was in high school. And and I know that okay. that's a great guy to to have in your locker room. That's a that's somebody who is going to be a good person and a good presence and, and be super helpful. And everything that I've ever heard about Alex Smith from Dwayne and otherwise has been nothing other than he's the greatest teammate that one can have. So having a, a quarterback room like that where there's a bunch of guys who are there to support you, there to help you out, there to help you be a, become a better professional, I don't think that there's a better situation in the NFL for a quarterback than that because those rooms are different. Right. Those are those are guys who get information that everybody else in the facility doesn't get. Those conversations they have are just unique. So it's really cool to be in a room with those guys. And he also has a uh, a really good quarterback coaching staff in there. So he, he's going to be in a good spot. And uh, I really I know we talk about it as like a quasi preseason, but I, I think that throughout this year, we're going to see real strides in Dwayne's game. And I'm, I'm really excited to see it. One more before I let you go. How many games do you think it takes before, you know, before you get in a rhythm? And on a team like this where the season may not go the way you'd hope it would go, what are you taking out of a season where you where the record doesn't reflect maybe what you've learned? Uh, I, I think in terms of taking you to get in a rhythm we, we can't go more than four or five games and I, I think that they've got to find a way for the record to really reflect something like I think that they should be aiming to win six seven games at least and then really see where they can get to but he's in this I mean they're in a spot where they're what they're up there in terms of the NFC East like they don't have to look at anybody in the division like we can't beat these guys and they they've got to find a way to, to win some ball games. And I think that um, they've got the tools around them to do so. Well, coach, I hope, I hope you're right. <laughs> it would be wonderful in a, in a crazy year like this. Hey, Quincy, I can't thank you so much for your time today. This has been great. I appreciate you. Quincy Avery, everybody.